2: This is the Tom Hartman Program. And welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. And it's time for Congressman Mark Pocan here on the Tom Hartman Program, where he takes your calls for the full hour. He is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, the Big Cheese Progressive in Washington, D.C., and appropriately is from Wisconsin's 2nd District. Pocan, gov is his website. You can tweet him at RepMarkPOCAN. Congressman POCAN, welcome back. What's on the top of your radar screen right now? Oh, well, first, happy Thanksgiving. Hope everyone Thank
0: is you. staying close to home and uh, being as safe as possible given our COVID numbers. You know, really, I think we finally are having some signal of transition. We're seeing some of the cabinet appointments out there, and we're working on a lot of things trying to get a covid bill between now and you know the end of this session but you know just having congress back in session last week brought more members having covid you know it's really difficult right now with the high numbers to do a lot of the work that uh, we need to do and uh, certainly when you don't have a willing partner in Mitch McConnell it's even tougher so you know we're glad to see the transition beginning but It certainly is difficult, especially with a CR ending on December 11th, a continuing resolution that funds the federal government. Between COVID and that, we have a lot of work to do.
2: What are the realistic possibilities that Americans might see some relief? We got the CARES Act in, what was that, March? And didn't that run out around July or August? Or I'm sorry, I don't have the timetable right on the top of my yeah, head.
0: That's, no, that's um, about, but, there's different things that ended different times, but you're right. Some ended as early as the end of July, like for unemployment comp. We passed a bill in the House, the HEROES Act, in May to be that second bill you know, we've passed it a couple times, and yet the Senate, you know, hasn't really come to the table. The White House has had some negotiations with Speaker Pelosi. You know, I think there's two things that work maybe towards a good resolution, Tom. One is December 11th. You know, we have to come to the table together to figure out how to fund government. That gives you an opportunity to, while people are at the table, talk about COVID. And two, the fact that there are now multiple vaccines look like they're coming forward. You know, the amount of time that we need to plan anything for is shortened. So hopefully that will help the Republicans to move forward, even though I think a lot of this delay
2: has caused a lot of hurt out there that wasn't needed. Right. Yeah, it's a tough one. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your calls. And to get started here, uh, Ron, in, is it Penyon, New York? Am I saying that right, Ron? Uh, yes, you are, Tom. Hi, Congressman Pocan. My question is, when can we get
3: Puerto Rico to become a state if we can do this? We'll get two senators, and that would turn the Senate blue.
0: Yeah, I think this answer will probably happen a lot for a lot of questions. It all depends on what happens in Georgia for many of these things to happen. I don't see Mitch McConnell, who doesn't pass any bills, really moving forward on statehood, either for Puerto Rico or D.C. or anywhere. So, you know, if Mitch McConnell is still in charge of the Senate, unlikely to happen. But uh, all the more reason why those January 5th Georgia elections are going to really matter.
2: Apropos of that, I saw a reporting this morning that all of the quite consequential states in terms of control of their legislatures by Republicans as a result of gerrymandering, states where the majority of the people vote for for Democrats, thus you get a democratic governor, whether it's North Carolina or Wisconsin or Michigan or yeah, I mean pick one, right? And yet, the legislature is still controlled by Republicans, and a majority of Republicans represent the state in the U.S. House of Representatives purely because of gerrymandering, that so much of Charles Koch and his buddy's money, he's got a new book out kind of trying to rehabilitate himself, but it's—I uh, <laughs> I have it. I got it yesterday. I've been reading through it, and it says, you know, a lot of happy talk, but— But so much of that money, that right-wing billionaire money from the Koch network and uh, other organizations, has been flowing into these state races and always does in the years, the census years, that they can use that census then to gerrymander. That's their opportunity to re-gerrymander the state, and they're going to make it even worse. They're getting far more more surgical about this, you know, drawing congressional districts that include, in some cases, slicing right through the middle of a block just to include some houses. I mean, this has been a strategy, a strategic plan that the Republicans put in place. It was called Red Map about 20 years ago. have the de- Do the Democrats yes. have anything comparable to this? You know, we've got bills, including H.R.
0: 1, that would actually get rid of the ability for politicians to gerrymander. It would go towards the citizen model, and it would uh, help to make sure that we wouldn't have this problem. Having said that, uh, I'll go back to the answer on the last question. You know, with Mitch McConnell in charge of the Senate, there's no way— that will pass because they want to take advantage of that now a number of those states though the good news tom is this time have a democratic governor even with that gerrymandered legislature and the governor can either veto or have some um, impact on the map so we're in a better place than we were Ten years ago. But still, what you said is absolutely right. Wisconsin is one of those states where more than 50 percent of the people vote for Democrats for the state assembly, for example, but we come out of it with 36 or 38 seats, almost a 15-point difference of where the votes are because of gerrymandering. But this time, in places like Wisconsin and other states now, there'll be a Democratic governor who can potentially veto maps and then it goes to the courts and then a lot's going to depend on what happens there. So hopefully we won't be in as bad of a place as 2010 when we had that devastating route that was right before the redistricting. But still, no question, uh, many forces
2: put a lot of money into trying to manipulate this. Yeah. Jared in Donington, Pennsylvania, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
1: Hello, Tom. Hello, Congressman Pocan. I am deeply concerned about this news I'm hearing about the Trump administration and Iran.
0: And I'm wondering, like, what can we do to stop a war if they do initiate the first strike? Because, I mean, there's, like,
4: this whole, you know, like, why does the president have this kingly-like power to
3: start wars? Why has Congress completely not held you know,
4: these presidents accountable to this, you know, international break of law, which is a Nuremberg war crime offense. Thank you and have a good day.
0: Yeah. So, Jared, you are correct that it is Congress's duty, according to the Constitution, to go to war, except in certain instances, right? And that's what I think... You know donald trump often looks for you know if you can prove that they've attacked us then he gets a chance to kind of move ahead he still is supposed to come to congress but that would give him some wiggle room in doing something but you know what we heard right now about the israeli uh, military certainly you know makes us concerned i would hope that you know now that people are starting to tell donald trump he lost the election even if he won't use those words there may be some opportunity to try to influence whatever he could possibly do.
2: But we need to fix our authorization to go to war, period, uh, in Congress. Amen. Ed in Los Angeles, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
0: Yes, I thank you for taking my call. Thank you, Congressman, for your service to our country. question I have for you is this. If the Democrats fail to take the uh, Senate, can president-elect biden when he gets into office sign any executive orders to provide any financial relief for us because i'm facing homelessness in about three months and a, a moratorium on evictions would sure help me i'll take my answer off the air yeah thank you so let, let me answer it this way there is a lot that he can do with executive order but you can't necessarily do things as easily with money, right? Because otherwise Donald Trump would have put more money towards his wall, but he had a very difficult time. So it is hard for you to, to see financial assistance come through executive order. Having said that, the president does still have a lot of power through executive orders and hopefully... He will use them aggressively to fix whatever needs to be fixed, especially around COVID, as we have a vaccine starting to get out, but people are hurting so very badly. My hope is still that we'll be able to get something done, hopefully, and maybe in line with the December 11th continuing resolution in order to keep government open. But it's hard for a president to move money, just doesn't have that authority that's generally in the hands of Congress.
2: Karen in Oakland, California, you're on the air with Congress in Pocan
4: yes good morning tom and congressman fokan thank you for having me today i was appalled during the obama administration and now with mitch mcconnell just blocking action from the house of representatives i mean i was wondering what we could do about that and then i heard about the the writ of mandamus ordering a public official to to carry out the act of their job you know what they're supposed to do why hasn't anyone taken advantage of
0: that Rich, where they can order him to do his, his job, basically. Yeah, what I often find is many of these solutions that people come up with sound good on paper but aren't practical for other reasons, uh, because trust me, we would make Mitch McConnell do something if we at all had that possibility. We literally have sent hundreds of bills, bipartisan bills, from the House to the Senate, and he apparently, uh, like I often say, puts him in the back of a truck, drives him to Kentucky and buries him in someone's backyard. We never see them again. You know, he has to do something around the government funding, which maybe gives us an opportunity around COVID. But otherwise, if he wants to have very little to show for the Senate, he often can do that. There's certain must-pass pieces of legislation, but he does have an awful lot of power in that role. So I think we're always looking at every possible way we can try to do something. I'm hoping that Joe, Biden because he does know how to you know, reach out to people across the aisle, can maybe break some people off. But Mitch McConnell, I
2: doubt, is going to suddenly be the hero in any narrative that's going to move forward. Don, in West Desert, Utah, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Thank you, Tom. And and Congressman, I have a question about the Open Sky policy uh, treaty that the president uh, unilaterally just withdrew us from, as well as uh, destroying and dismantling the two Air Force planes that serve this. Is this illegal by the president? I thought he was supposed to go through Congress uh, on these international treaties
0: he I think when it comes to treat, that is one of the areas he does have some additional powers as opposed to before when we were talking with someone about when it comes to fiscal issues. it's much more difficult. But you know what we're afraid of is that issues like this and other issues, if if Joe Biden wants to go in a very different direction, it's going to be very hard. If the president does. right now, the President Trump, does too many actions. So, unfortunately, he's got uh, so many days left. The good news is uh, he's been a crybaby for the last several weeks, and that's reduced his ability to get some things done. But, you know, I think we are going to see a lot from pardons to other actions, and hopefully not any kind of military action. I think that's one of the biggest things that we're watching and very nervous about moving forward. But he's still president until uh, January 20th.
2: Jason in Pontiac, Michigan. You're on the air with Congressman token.
0: Hi, thanks. Thanks for taking my call. Uh,
5: earlier, I heard that lady mentioned something about the writ of mandamus or, or whatever that was. And I was curious, uh, short of that, if that doesn't work, is there anything that President Biden can do to kind of force the hand of Mitch McConnell? Should we lose the Senate? Because I'm sure I'm speaking for the majority of people listening and that, that I'm I'm getting sick and tired of nothing being done in the Senate. So um, that's all I really have to say. And again, thank you guys for what you do. Thank you, Jason.
0: Sure. Jason, thank you. And you bring up a really great point. There's a number of things I think you can try. And it depends You know, all these other people who want to be president, how they decide to behave. Because already that next campaign has started, apparently, when you watch some of the. Senate Republicans, but, you know, Joe Biden can try to appeal to some Republicans to peel them off, and there's plenty of things he can do that could be advantageous for them. He can try to embarrass them in their states. He can try to use his bully pulpit to try to push them, which, again, the president's bully pulpit is 100 times Nancy Pelosi's or anyone in Congress's, right? So it's a powerful bully pulpit he'll have. So there's a lot of different things that we can try or that he will try, but if they just don't want to do anything, you know, elections are unfortunately the best that we have. And unfortunately, Kentucky decided Mitch McConnell was the guy they wanted to have come back as senator. But the pressure can happen in a lot of other ways. And I think Joe Biden is probably the most experienced person to know how to apply that pressure.
2: Lyndon Johnson was, uh, you know, he was the former majority leader of the Senate and as president was famous for <laughs> getting his way, sometimes using pure political force. Do you see any way that Biden could, for example, shame Republicans into doing something that the, the power of public opinion might be so great that he could bring it to bear? Yeah, I do think, I mean,
0: even if it's not going to be Mitch McConnell that's going to shame, you can shame some of the members to pressure Mitch McConnell, and I think that may be your best efforts. but. You know, at some point, I mean, the public, regardless, wants us to act even more than they care about the left-right spectrum,
2: and uh, there is some public pressure that can certainly happen as well. Yeah, well, let's hope. Congressman Mark Pocan with us for the hour, taking your calls on the Tom Hartman program. He's the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin and the U.S. House of Representatives. And his website, pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. repmarkpocan. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. And we'll be back right after this break with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan. Stick around.
5: welding instructor alex DeClaire knows vr training platforms like forge fx help students master their skills
4: there's a big learning curve with welding virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact
2: congressman mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour jim in long beach california you're on the air with congressman pokan Yeah, good morning. Thanks. A
5: question about the Georgia election. Will Kamala Harris be involved deeply and soon in getting out the vote down there with Stacey Abrams, hopefully?
0: Yeah, I'll tell you, everyone is going to do what Stacey Abrams says because already I think you're going to find a lot of people want to go down there, but quite honestly, they don't want a bunch of people with new england accents or uh people maybe from wisconsin coming to georgia telling georgians how to vote so uh you know we're we're taking their advice on what we can do we can maybe make phone calls we can certainly donate money um but it may not be uh having you know everyone who wants to go down there and help because that actually may turn out not to be helpful so i i think there is a a strong understanding what stacy wants stacy gets and uh, we're going to be taking a lot of direction from people like her
2: Matthew in Staten Island, New York, you are on the air with Congressman Pocam.
1: Okay, so being that Joe Biden literally wrote or co-sponsored or helped write the uh, bankruptcy bill while he was in the Senate um, that disallowed canceling student debt, how serious should I take his recent announcement or pronouncement about canceling up to ten thousand dollars in student debt?
0: You know, I think if he's saying things right now, the way I look at it, he's in a very unique position. His entire life, he has kind of been preparing to be president. He's run for it before. And Not to be ageist, but at 77, he's probably not going to be racking up maybe additional term or not. This is his opportunity to govern. This is his opportunity to get as much done as possible. And I'm going to look at that when he says something that he actually is going to try to get it done. I, I have no reason not to believe him. And, you know, we're going to work with him in any way. But there's certainly a movement out there. Uh, around canceling student debt that's uh, in the grassroots, and we need to work with that grassroots movement to make it so that elected officials um, have to listen and have to act. But I would say if he's saying things right now, um I would take him at his word on it um, and we'll we'll try to work with him to get that done. but uh, of course, some of us would like to go farther than what he said, but certainly, I think it's a good sign, and you know he is in a unique position. He's not planning a career afterwards after he's president, you know he can just get things done that need to get done. And I think that might be actually a real opportunity. And that's what I'm hoping for.
2: Could you speak to the Overton window, the window of acceptable political dialogue in the uh, conventional sphere that Joe Biden was one of the champions of the crime bill back in the uh, 80s and 90s that he now has repudiated? Kamala Harris, you know, was an aggressive prosecutor in some ways that she has now repudiated. Joe Biden, as the caller pointed out, was the co-author of the bankruptcy bill in 2005 that made it illegal to discharge student loan debts. He's now repudiated that. It seems to me like the country has changed pretty dramatically in the last 30 years. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you look at, you know, someone who's got a record as long as Joe Biden, he probably voted maybe with where the public in his district was at the time, but they are certainly not now. And you have to recognize that if someone can change. And hopefully that's why we work with grassroots organizations to apply pressure on elected officials to make them change. If the popular position has changed where, where people are at, we need elected officials to represent those people. So I don't hold that in great contest against anyone when they've had a vote, especially if since then they've had Actions or words that are significantly different, but it is upon, you know now incumbent upon all of us to help push to get things done that um, will make them live up to the new words or actions they say they're going to do.
2: Yeah, I am actually encouraged by it. I think that when politicians shift, they don't do it yeah. generally on their own. They do it because the public has shifted. Your thoughts? Absolutely. You know, I, if the people lead, eventually the leaders follow. <laughs> um, I, I printed that out of bumper sticker <laughs> once because I believe it. And Tim in Shelby Township, Michigan, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
4: Gentlemen, first of all, Congressman, congratulations on your reelection. What I wonder if we could suggest to President Biden that he bring back the old fireside chats. And weekly, Mm. he could not only cover COVID, but also everything that the Democrats are doing in Congress and that the Republicans are blocking. During Trump, Speaker Pelosi and Minority Leader Schumer could hardly get any airtime. But if it's the president speaking,
0: then everyone would cover it. Tom, your your listeners are on fire today.
2: (laughs) More good ideas. (laughs) I guess.
0: That was a good one, Tim. Tim, this is a great idea because the president does have the bully pulpit. And if you use it appropriately, which Joe Biden would, not like Donald Trump did, I mean, we could really help get a lot of good messaging out there, especially when we're still in the middle of this severe stage right now of this pandemic until we have the ability to distribute the vaccine so i think it's a great idea i just wrote it down and i'm getting lots of notes today but i think it's a great suggestion and it would be a very smart thing for joe biden to do
2: alejandro in miami florida you're on the air with congressman pocan hello everyone
0: i just wanted to take
4: well, this question of the congressman that you know congress i know that you were you know you had your doubts about doing impeachment of trump but i really think that congress you know needs to really assert its authority and do investigations of Trump and all Trump administration officials that are sabotaging that transition under the Presidential Transition Act of 1963. You know, the act was meant to, for the GSA administrator to make a ministerial decision, not a political one. There's nothing in the law that, or the legislative intent of the law was not meant to be, oh no, not until the votes are certified and she recognize the legitimate winner, the president-elect. It's as soon as possible, you know, as we always do it with the media projections and, you know, the regular county. We don't so is there a way Congress can really investigate the GSA? Mayor, bring her to Congress and subpoena her and ask her why is she in, you know, getting in the way of transition and kind of, like, remind her that, like, you know, she can she's in violation of that act and maybe she can serve some prison time if she's found in violation of such that, you know, along with other administration yeah. officials.
0: Yeah, Alejandro, absolutely. That can happen. I mean, Congress can do that. The, the thing to remember is, you know, impeachment is a very long process, right? And, and it was a lot of work to get to that stage. I just don't see when we've got COVID to deal with, when we've got to make sure that government funding continues past December 11th, that's likely to happen, just and, and many other reasons. But uh, I've already seen uh, some of my colleagues introducing things to make sure that we're still going to do the proper oversight and look back at what happened in the Trump administration. Perhaps Joe Biden may not be as interested, but his attorney general should absolutely do that as well, because that is the role of the attorney general. So whoever the next attorney general will be could also do those things. So I hope we don't just say, okay, he's gone, let's just Forget what happened because I'm more concerned about the presidency for any future president, Democrat, Republican, other political party that we may have, that we don't want them to do ever again what Donald Trump did. I mean, without question, this has been the worst president we've ever had, and we can't let these actions uh, go by without any reaction, or else we're setting precedent potentially for a future president to be as bad.
2: Bob in Skokie, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. A minute to the break. Uh, Congressman, how are you? Good morning.
3: Um, I'm That's curious, great. since um, Senator McConnell uh, bet gets, keeps getting reelected with very low popularity, but the fact that he brings home the bacon, is there any way for the House to exclude Kentucky getting financial support in its bills until the senator agrees to allow House bills to be considered
2: by the Senate? Yeah, They get $2.41 yeah, $2 for every dollar they send to D.C. To D.C. Pardon me. Yeah,
0: you got a great problem solvers today. People are bringing up these great points, and this is like a great point, too. I don't think that we could actually do that. Uh, I don't think there's a way to stop aid just to a single state. There'd probably be a number of complications, and, you know, he holds the votes in the Senate, so you need Senate approval. But, you know, you, you bring up a great point. I mean, you know, he's not popular for passing policy because he doesn't do policy, but he does uh, bring pork home. I don't get it why he gets reelected, but he got reelected. He's there, and I assume they'll keep him in the that's
2: fun. Congressman Mark Pocan is with us for the hour, taking your calls. Rep. Mark Pocan, as in Representative Rep. Mark Pocan. We'll be right back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan. This is the Tom Hartman Program. It's your media support group for We the People and our National Town Hall meeting with Congressman Mark Pocan. We'll be right back. On this week's Science Revolution, why are the Republicans saying the mask mandate is anti-freedom? If you're hooked up to a ventilator and you can't breathe, you're not free. The Republican idea of freedom is literally killing us. Nick Dearden with Global Justice Now joins me to ask, who should own the COVID vaccine that was funded by we the people? Plus, Teresa Brown, RN, author of Critical Care, drops in to explain why the COVID task force needs nurses. There's a lack of nursing representation despite their essential and visible role on the front line of this national pandemic, and that needs to be fixed ASAP. Tune into The Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. Hey, Tom Hartman here. Just wanted to give you a heads up that we have an absolutely free newsletter. You can subscribe to it over at TomHartman.com. And every day, Sue, who works on our newsletter, puts together what we call Sue's Daily Stack. It's literally a link to every story I have referenced on the air in the program. And she compiles these throughout the program and then gets the newsletter together and it goes out an hour or two after the show is off the air. And it's just absolutely extraordinary. And something I think you'll find really useful. So check it out at TomHartman.com. Welcome back to the Tom Hartman program. Fair and only slightly unbalanced. Got Congressman Mark Pocan on the line with us taking your calls for the hour. Cindy in College Station, Texas. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
4: Hi, Tom. I was just wondering, I know this is off the subject, but I was wondering about the Medicare prescription drug Part D. I find out that they have, still have that donut hole,
0: and I was wondering if
4: the congressman was going to try and do anything about that because it's just so expensive.
0: Yeah, and Cindy, we it. need to do a lot when it comes to prescription drugs. There's no question. The problem I think that we're likely going to face is the Republican Senate. So Georgia is going to be very important on January 5th, because if we have a Senate that can work with us, you know, we can address a number of things. If you have specific issues, you know, always call your member of Congress. If it's something that's more specific on that, please do that. But, you know, we need to uh, one of the things that uh, Tom and I have had some conversations recently on are some of the Medicare Advantage programs and uh, concerns On some of those fronts um, we have to address prescription drugs in a very holistic way the fact that we still pay you know 20 times or more uh, for a drug than other countries doesn't make any sense Um, we should be able to allow medicare to be able to negotiate prescription drug pricing and i hope we can do that and i think one of the things that we're doing right now is just trying to make sure that people from the industry don't get a lot of appointments in this administration barbara lee and i did a letter around defense and i know other people have done letters as well in different areas but, you know, we want to be able to address this. We have a, a, now a, a White House that can work with us. Not sure about the Senate yet, but we absolutely need to do uh, more action to address prescription drug pricing, whether it be specifically the issue brought up or just the holistic
2: issue. you know, It makes no sense that we paid that much more for drugs in the United States and other countries. Robert, in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, you're on the air yeah. with Congress in Pocan. Oh hi
3: Congressman Pocan. Um I the Biden campaign had a proposal to make community college and uh, even state college attendance tuition free for everyone making 125 under $125,000 I think. And I you know I I hope that will be an important issue in the Georgia campaign, but if there is a Republican Senate majority, presumably they would block that and I hope they pay a, a heavy political price for blocking it. Will the house be able to pass a version of that proposal early
0: in the Biden presidency? Potentially. You know, I, I don't think we've really talked about what bills are going to roll out yet. And we, you know, right now, Joe Biden's first putting his administration together, but you're absolutely correct. That's something he ran on and uh, should be a priority. Uh, if we don't get the Senate, it will be much more difficult. But um, one of the challenges we're going to have, and we just don't know is how big our margin is. Unfortunately, it looks like less than two handfuls of people um, on any issue can hold something up, and uh, that is uh, kind of the perfect scenario for every special interest in Washington. Uh, they're probably already uh, you know putting money down on a second home, uh, knowing how much they can make with that kind of scenario. So it's going to be really the people power that we're going to need on every issue to enact so that people reach out to their elected representatives and, and tell them what they want done, because they're certainly going to have those special interests in their ear, and we With that tight of a margin, it's going to be a challenge. I, I just have to be completely honest, Robert. Any small, small group of members
2: can really hold things up. Nathaniel in Ontario, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Hello, John. How are you? I'm Congressman. Uh, guys, thank you for taking my call. Congressman, I have a question and two part question in regard to Trump being a uh, flight risk. And secondly, is there anything in the judicial system or the federal government that would prevent that? And I will hang up and let you re- concur with that. Thank you.
0: Yeah, Nathaniel, um, that's a good question. I I don't think, first of all, that the president's going to do anything to be a flight risk. My guess is just like now, he's going to get a bunch of lawyers and he'll fight things and delay things and, you know, muck things up and try to, you know, just buy time. And my guess is that's a more likely scenario than him, like going to Russia and, you know, uh, building a condo and, and, you know, living there. I just I think that's less likely. But right now, just, you know, we have to get more people to step up and tell him the truth. Uh, You know, his family are probably the people that listen to him the most. But he lost the election in his own words four years ago by a landslide. It's time that he accepts that. And uh, then you have to accept any consequences if you did Any actions that could put you in trouble. But, you know, that's what we've been saying for four years, and I think we'll see what happens once uh, he finally leaves office. But I, I don't think it's likely he'll try to leave the country.
2: Stephanie in Hopkins Park, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
1: Hi to the both of you. I got a question I'll take it off the air. Two questions. Is it true that the president, if he starts the war during his term, he doesn't have to leave until the war is over? And does it take an act of Congress along with him in order to do that, and will they bring the draft back? if you think he'll bring the draft back?
0: Okay, I think I got three in there, but let me try it my best. Um First of all, I don't think if he starts a war, you have to keep him. I don't believe that that's the case, so I'm not. Concerned about that. Should Congress be involved? Yes. That's what the Constitution says. And that's a fight we've had with many presidents that unless you're responding directly to something and there's certain parameters where the president can go to war, you need Congress. I mean, that's per the Constitution. So, yes. And finally, a draft. You know, you're getting a couple steps ahead. You already got us in a war and everything else. Um, I think that would be up to Congress to decide what's going to happen. But I don't know where Mitch McConnell would be on an issue like that, so I don't know if I can give you a good, concrete answer on the likelihood.
2: Adam in New Orleans, Louisiana. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you. Representative Pocan, after watching the documentary Our Social Dilemma, it's clear
5: that social media artificial intelligence engines promoting lies to maximize attention are literally an existential threat to our democracy. So will you sponsor legislation that protects the public from these artificial intelligence engines manipulating human behavior with lies? Thank
0: you. Yeah, Adam, let me answer it this way, because when something's that general, it's not super easy. But there are committees dealing with this, including one is the Antitrust Committee in Judiciary, in the Judiciary Committee, the Antitrust Subcommittee, which David Cicilline is a chair of and a good member of the Progressive Caucus. So, you know, I think many of these issues are going to come up uh, absolutely for hearings and and legislation will absolutely be introduced. But right now, um, I I don't know if there's something in particular, a specific piece you're referring to. I don't think you were. But I, I agree with you that um, you know, we have seen that influence and, and how slowly they wanted to respond in the face of an election. Uh, that's not acceptable. Uh, they are monopolies. And I think we have to look at it from that perspective and that lens. And if we do, that may be the best way to try to address uh, what they're doing. Um, so look for it, I think, under the guise of the lens of looking at monopoly power.
2: Michael in Las Vegas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you,
3: Tom. I appreciate you. And Representative Pocan, I just want to thank you as a gay American. I really appreciate your openness and um, proud to have you serving the people of the United States and representing the LGBTQ community. So thank you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. My question is about the FCC. I understand that President Biden will be able to appoint commissioners As we hear a lot on this program with Tom, you know, the right-wing media echo chamber is loud, full of disinformation and propaganda. I'm just curious. I know some of it may hinge on the Georgia Senate races as far as getting a majority there or the Biden-Harris ability to work, hopefully, closely with Murkowski and Collins or Romney. But as far as just holding this right-wing echo chamber to account and really separating news from opinion i'm curious does the house oversight committee can they get the scc commissioners or the chairman chairperson in to instruct them to
0: kind of oversee this better my words are kind of not coming but do you kind of understand where i'm coming from there I, yeah, I do, Michael. So I, I think you know, you're know you right. The House can do that kind of oversight and bring people in. And yes, Joe Biden will have the ability to appoint in many of these positions. And, and right now, many of us, in fact, I've got Right now, I'm reviewing a list that we're looking at for the Progressive Caucus on a number of these positions, people that we're trying to recommend working with a lot of our progressive ally organizations around the country uh, to make sure that we have a lot of good, strong people in the cabinet. But uh, to Congress's direct ability, yes, we can have people come before Congress and we can raise these issues and we can try to raise them in the public and get attention
2: to them to try to influence the actions that they may take. Gene in Madison, Wisconsin, you're on the air the Congress in Pocan.
1: Hi, Mark. I voted for you, and congratulations. Thank Um, you. appreciate it. My My question to you is, I work in rural Wisconsin, in New Glaris and Belleville area. I I provide physical therapy, occupational speech therapy. We have a small, small company. CMS has proposed a 9% reduction in payments to providers for therapy starting January 1st. That is a huge cut for us. We still will provide the therapy, but the reimbursement is going down. And it's all part of this Medicare plan. Now, we have been putting our lives on the line. We are first responder workers. We get tested twice a week because COVID is so high in Greene County. And we've been working under very strange circumstances in the skilled nursing facility, keeping the elderly alive. We were very fortunate we have not had a case of COVID in our facility because of the strict rules we put on. But we are there, and now they're telling us they're going to cut our pay, our reimbursement by 9%. Is there anything you can do to help us?
0: Yeah, so, Gene, first of all, just reach out to our office. That's the best way because this is the kind of constituent advocacy that we do and we want to be helpful on. And um, we we often write letters to CMS about actions they're proposing to take, you know, to try to make sure that uh, people aren't negatively impacted. But let me just also say thank you for being one of those frontline workers because having just gone through that, it was a rehab facility that my mom was at. Unfortunately, they didn't have as good of protections as you're talking about. But, but you are putting your life up there every day, and I just want to say thank you.
2: Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. We'll be back in just a moment. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you. Congressman Mark Pocan, co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, representing the Second District of Wisconsin, taking your calls for the hour. And Congressman, if I may take a moment of host's privilege here and ask you a question on behalf of myself that's a little complex. I got into this quite a bit on the air, and then I spent the entire afternoon and half the evening last night reading the rules of the Senate, printing out (laughs) hundreds of pages, reading the rules of the Senate, reading James Madison's notes from the debates in the Constitutional Convention, and also reading the history of individual vice presidents, starting with John Adams. And here's what I found. The Constitution says that And I quote, this is Article 1, Section 2, Clause 5A. The Senate shall choose their other officers and also a president pro tempore, in other words, a sitting, a temporary acting president, in the absence of the vice president or when he shall exercise the office of president of the United States. So, in other words, and you go back to the original debates and the assumption was that the vice president would have principally a legislative job while being the president in waiting. They would be the person who runs the Senate. You go to the Senate rules, and the question I'm getting to, and I'll just hit it right off, is it possible that Kamala Harris, as vice president, can simply walk in and say, Mitch, you're not in charge anymore. I am the president of the Senate, according to the United States Constitution, and I'm going to take that role. The rules of the Senate start out, in the absence of the vice president, the Senate shall choose a president pro tem who shall hold the office and execute the duties thereof during the pleasure of the Senate and until another is elected or his term of office as senator expires. And then the second rule, number two, this is appointment of a senator to chair in the absence of the vice president and pending the election of a president pro tem, the acting president pro tem or the secretary of state shall perform the duties of the chair and goes through this whole long list. And every single one of them is in the absence of the vice president. John Adams actually presided over the Senate. Thomas Jefferson, when he became vice president in the Adams administration, basically hated John Adams, was a different political party, didn't want to have anything to do with anything political. And he spent most of his time as vice president writing what are now the rules for the Senate and the House, which include the stuff I just read to you. After Jefferson's presidency, vice presidents started presiding over the Senate again and continued to right up until around 1890 when vice presidents just said, okay, that's it, you know, and there were times when they did and didn't, you know, and sometimes there was conflict around it and sometimes there wasn't. But to the best of your knowledge, has anybody raised this? And I realize you have access to the House parliamentarian. I don't know if you do to the Senate parliamentarian, but is this viable? And the other thing about the rules of the Senate that I learned doing a real deep dive into some uh, constitutional scholars is that while the House actually has fairly rigid rules, the Senate's rules Most of the way that the Senate operates, for example, the whole concept of the leader of the majority party being the person who determines the Senate schedule, that's not in the rules. That's simply tradition. Just like the leader of the Senate shall hold hearings and allow a vote on the president's nomination of a person for the Supreme Court. You know, McConnell came out and said, hey, that's not in the rules. It's not in the Constitution. It's not in the rules. So I'm just going to ignore it. So to my question, do you think that Kamala Harris could take over the Senate? Um, So I'm sure since you've said
0: it that someone's looking into it, right? I have not heard this previously, anyone talking about that. You know, I think when you get to the rules, it gets really complicated. We're having an issue right now with technically January 3rd is the transition for the new Congress, which they were trying to do the swearing in on the 6th. But you could have a fight that says you have to do it on the 3rd which would mean there are some issues about getting members in and uh, a lot of things, especially during the times of COVID, you know, where member absences are certainly going to be a little more prevalent, we're finding, as members have been getting COVID lately. So we're trying to work through those rules on the House side now. I haven't even begun to look at any Senate rules, having not served there. But I think just the fact that you brought it up, my guess is there are people who are looking at it, but I have not heard this raised as any possibility, again, probably for the same reason we talked about. Some Sometimes something looks good technically on paper, and there is another very good valid reason why it can't happen. But let's hope people are looking at it.
2: Well, 10 years ago, I don't think anybody would have thought if the president nominates a member of the Supreme Court nine months before the end of his term, the Senate will simply refuse to even interview the guy. And that's in the Constitution also. So if you run it by anybody, and if you hear anything, let me know. I'm going to be working on this this weekend, and I'll probably publish an op-ed about it next week. So just heads up. Okay. Back to our phone calls. and <laughs> My apologies. Uh, Doug <laughs> no Douglas in Dooley, Arizona. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Yeah, my question is uh, would be to the senator Is it possible to overturn uh, Judge Scalia's decision to gut the Voting Rights Act? And why couldn't uh, Congress do a campaign showing what idiots these Republicans are? And do you want to be remembered for running,
0: you know, trying to overturn the election? in in this last Senate and I'll hear your answer off the air. Yeah, Douglas, thanks for the question. I mean, first of all, I'm, I'm in the House just for full clarity. So I'm not as good at Senate rules and things coming from the House side. But I can tell you that, you know, what we're watching right now is just embarrassing on multiple fronts. People who I think, you know, generally had some respect, even if we disagreed ideologically with them, who are still trying to, cater to the president so he doesn't write a a mean tweet. I mean, it's like we're, you know, in some bad high school sitcom where you've got to keep that spoiled, you know, head cheerleader happy or else she's going to get you in trouble with the rest of the class. And that's what's kind of happening. So you watch Marco Rubio and other people that have a modicum, at least of respect, throwing that respect out because they still maybe want to be president four years and they have to you know continue to kiss the, the melting ring of the snowflake named Donald Trump. So I wish there Was more that we could do when it comes to those folks. And we have tried. I I don't think there is embarrassment anymore for them, right? Because of what they're doing. I mean, look at Lindsey Graham. If there was embarrassment, Lindsey Graham would be, you know, a human red color all the time. And yet instead, uh, he continues to suck up to the president relentlessly and pathetically. So unfortunately, Douglas, we're at a weird period of time. I'm hoping that when Donald Trump is gone, the more time that expires, the more people go back to operating like normal. But the last four years have been truly extraordinary, in my living, adult time of
2: watching what's happened in Congress and the Senate. Ray in Wheaton, Illinois, you are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Hi. Trump held several private meetings with Putin, and we were never allowed to know what transpired. And the interpreter on our side was basically muzzled. Uh, Now that we're going to have Biden in the White House, what's to keep us from calling that interpreter in to testify under oath And explain what transpired during those meetings. I know there are Dems that think we should move on from Trump and look to the future, but we're talking about likely high treason here and could have implications for the country's future. What do you think?
0: Yeah, Ray, I mean, that's, I think there is a, you pointed out very accurately, there's probably some division. Some people say you move on and move forward. Some of us are saying, but we're doing this for any future president that could do what Donald Trump did, therefore we have to. So, um, it, it will depend, I think, committee by committee, uh, perhaps who gets brought in and, and what happens and what. The Joe, Joe Biden's administration may choose to do. I mean, his attorney general has an amazing amount of power to do any investigations. But, you know, uh, often we know when one president investigates another one, those are often actions you see in some other countries. And I think there'll be a big debate on how they move forward. But my personal hope is that we do go and look at any actions that happened that we think were illegal so that we protect the office of the presidency over any individual president and ensure that we never have to go through what we just went through.
2: Marilyn in Sun City, West Arizona, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan.
0: Hi, Congressman. My question is this. I know that the state of New York can continue to prosecute Trump for his state crimes, but the national and federal ones that I'm hearing the rumblings of Joe Biden saying that maybe we'll forgive him, we want to move forward, etc. You know, people like me are not really happy with that. And my question is, as a strategy Would it not be better for Biden to say we are going to prosecute him and let him have to flee from that by
1: resigning and have Mike Pence pardon him so that we could blame the Republicans for us not going forward with this and not take that burden on ourselves that we just chose not to?
0: Hmm. Yeah, you've got so many hypotheticals in there, um, Marilyn. I don't know if I'm going to give you a very uh, good answer other than I did just address it. I think it's really going to be up to what his administration and his attorney general decide to do and some of the committee chairs uh, that we have in Congress. I hope we pursue anything that we, that we think is illegal. But you're absolutely right. States like New York can and should and I think will move forward uh, and continue to do what they're doing.
2: We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan and the Tom Hartman program defending America from the weapons of conservative mass deception. So we'll, just leave it at that. we'll be right back with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan. I'm speaking at the Bioneers 2020 conference. It's running December 5th and 6th and 12th and 13th. My keynote is how all life is organized around democracy. Tickets are available at Bioneers.org, and there's a 20% discount with the code TOM, T-H-O-M. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the day. And Kent in Hempstead, North Carolina. You are on the air with Congressman Pocan.
5: Good morning. Good afternoon, gentlemen. It's uh, past noon here. I have a question for the congressman. Can Dr. Scott Atlas be sued in civil court for malpractice? He, once he got Trump here, he became the main medical advice. But Trump's not a doctor, but... Atlas is, supposedly. And I'm just curious, has he got any exposure legally for the uh, pushing that herd mentality thing? And now that Sweden tried it, and it's been an abject failure. I haven't heard a peep about the herd immunity uh, concept. And I'm just curious if he's uh, liable like uh, any other doctor that would get so many people sick and die.
0: Yeah, so I'm not a judge, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, so I assume you can sue for anything. I just don't think it's likely because he's offering advice to the president. The president's the one who's actually taking these actions, so I, I don't know if you're going to find a an actual case there.
2: Hartmut in uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. You are on the Earth, Congressman Pocan.
0: Yes, hello,
5: Congressman. I just wanted to applaud your tweet from yesterday in which you denounced the uh, dispossession of more. Palestinians of their land. Uh, I was intrigued by the uh, statements by Tom and and you about the change in the position of uh, many of the leaders of the Democratic Party, excuse me, with regard to, say, criminal reform and so on. I was wondering, is there anything like that happening with regard to the Palestinian issue? It seems like Except for the military, the only real 100 percent bipartisanship issues in Congress have to do with the whitewashing of Israeli human rights violations. Is there any drift in that in a positive, progressive direction with regard
0: to that issue? yeah absolutely. In fact, the good news is we had a letter with over forty people that went after one of the settlements that they broke up. I'm sorry, some of the housing that they broke up in the West Bank and you know that 's against everything that they are supposed to be doing right now, especially as mike pompeo's photo up there that's how we timed the letter with mike pompeo 's visit. but we had forty people, and that's a significant number to have in Congress uh pointing out some of these issues. So I think there is a growing understanding that if you're ever going to have peace in that region, especially in Israel, in the West Bank and Palestine, you can't continue to build settlements, you can't tear apart other people's homes. You can't continue the actions that we've seen happen all too often. And you know it's not that you're pro-Israel or pro-Palestine or pro-anything but peace. Right? That's the real, I think, position many of us have, and we're trying to make sure that we can get to a good resolution. And when they continue actions like that, uh, you're not going to get to a good resolution. So I was very encouraged to see that many people sign a letter, including some folks that, you know, aren't your most likely suspects, and I think that shows real progress.
2: You're listening to Tom Hartman. Did you know that 100 police officers, and the last year we have statistics for is 2017, so we'll use that. 100 police officers were killed by firearms during that year. Now, some were suicides, some were accidental shootings. uh, You know, a few of them were bad guys killing cops. A hundred. A thousand of our soldiers all around the world were shot dead in 2017. A thousand. A little more dangerous, apparently, to be a soldier than to be a cop. But apparently the most dangerous position in the United States is not being a police officer on the front lines. It's not being a soldier on the front lines of combat. It's being a child. School-aged children killed by firearms in 2017, 2,462 of them. We have a new video up over at TomHarbin.com about this situation and what we can do about it. You can check it out there. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls. And uh, Jim in Riverview, Florida, you're on the Earth, Congressman Pocan.
0: Hey, good day, Tom, and good day, Congressman Pocan. You know, Tom, you have brought out the frustration, and you've opened up the book to what everybody's thinking. Is there another way? Is there another way? Is there another way? This guy has really messed things up, hasn't he? I mean, for everybody. Congressman Pocan, Mitch McConnell, tied both obama and biden up for six years they're now talking about budget constraints and they, they need to get back to basics and that if they tie him up for four more years and we don't get a connection like you were talking about with the people with biden like trump tweeted every two minutes which Biden's not going to have the time to do that but if we don't get a connection trump is going to come back in four years what can we do about that yeah, well, I think there's a lot of things that can happen. Political years are like dog years, so four years is like 28 years as far as I'm concerned. You know, who knows where Donald Trump will be and uh, who knows uh, how many legal cases and other things will be uh, happening in between. But that's the problem, if if the Senate doesn't start to work we're going to have some real difficult times and we're such a narrowly divided government in both the house too i mean a four seat margin out of as many seats 435 seats is is really dangerous the small so it's going to be difficult so we're going to really, really rely on what joe biden can do the good news is you know he's got more experience than probably anyone who's gone into that office knowing how to do the job so i'm hopeful that that will work well i'm hopeful that good people will be brought into the administration so that we can get some things done but you know Mitch McConnell, I'm guessing, will operate a little differently under Joe Biden than Donald Trump, because there he at least could confirm judges, right? And now he'll probably be in the mode to try to slow them down. So we'll have to see how he proceeds. But hopefully, you know, maybe some of the Mitt Romneys of the world and others who are willing to more quickly come to uh, more normal terms will be possible to help break the logjam. But, you know, elections have consequences. That's the reality. And we have a very divided nation right now. Important, though, on the thing you said, Jim, about tweeting, Donald Trump actually got, I think, something like 10 million fewer votes than people who follow him on Twitter. And Joe Biden got more votes than people who follow him on Twitter. So I just thought that was interesting for all the people who talked about Donald Trump and Twitter. He couldn't even necessarily deliver uh, the Twitter followers. Maybe that tells you something about the sewer that's known as Twitter.
2: Rich in Joliet, Illinois, here on the Earth, Congressman Pocan. Uh, Thank you for your time, Congressman.
5: I recently came down with the virus, and uh, I work in a rail yard out here. And, you know, I hear the Zero's Act ain't going anywhere you know, because of Mitch McConnell and he's covering all of our all the big businesses, you know, that's saying, you know, you don't have to pay these people. You know, and here I am putting my life out on the line, you know, when I go to work because I'm in a container place which goods and services, you know, all goods are going through there. And for two weeks now I won't receive a check or anything like that. And if I go through my unemployment, that's gonna take at least a month to go through. So now I'm you know I'm wondering what we can do about maybe getting that HEROES Act through and helping people like me, you know, that live paycheck to paycheck.
0: You know, Rich, what people like you need to do, and that's most Americans are in your situation, we just have to all call our senators and our representatives and say you have to get a bill done put pressure on them if they hear it enough again if, if the people lead eventually the leaders will follow i don't expect mitch mcconnell to take leadership on this because you know he's been busy sucking up to donald trump and accepting all the lies about covid the president's been saying but when their constituents start calling and you start you know keeping track and you got 10 to 1 people saying pass the bill suddenly some of these Republicans will will gain a spine or decide they've come up with some reason to vote differently. But they need to hear from us. And that's what we all need to do. So fill their inboxes, our inboxes, call us, send us emails. But you've got to do those contacts. They're vitally important. I mean, you know, we've got to get a COVID bill done. I mean, if everyone could just do another reach out to their uh, member of the House and Senate, I think it's awful that we have not gotten more done. And then just be ready for we're in the final parts of lame duck. we got to be very vigilant of what Donald Trump's up to. And we also need to keep government reopened, you know, reopen it after the 11th. There's a lot of action. We need people to just be ready to call their members.
2: Yeah, And the number for Congress is 202-224-3121. Gets you to the switchboard and uh, off we go what should we be looking at and doing in addition to what you just suggested in the coming week
0: well and that's the big stuff that's moving right we have to get the bill to fund government post-december 11th we need to try to get a covid bill We have an NDAA authorization that there's some issues that we're working through. But there's not a lot else that has to happen, so I don't expect a lot else to happen. But it is really crucial. If people want a COVID package, you need to reach out to your your U.S. reps and your your U.S. senators now and tell them that it's urgent and give your personal story. But, but, But get friends to do it. Volume matters, not loudness volume, but volume and how many contacts really will be effective. And that's the best thing we can do right now
2: and the phone number for the switchboard of Congress where you can reach any member is 202-224-3121. Congressman Mark Pocan, thank you so much for being with us today. It's always great talking with you. Thank you and Thanksgiving
0: to Happy Thanksgiving to you and Louise and your
2: family. Well, thank you and and to you and yours. Congressman Mark Pocan. Pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. Yeah. We're putting together a series of American history books. It started with the hidden history of guns in the Second Amendment. Then we had the hidden history of the Supreme Court, the betrayal of America. Then the hidden history of the Republican War on voting. The hidden history of monopolies, how big business destroyed the American dream. And then next spring, it's going to be the hidden history of oligarchy and tyranny.